Welcome to worship for Sunday, May 16th, the seventh Sunday of Easter from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We hope that you might use this time of preparation to prepare a space to worship, maybe to silence your phone, to get our bulletin off the website, whether you view it online or download and print it, and perhaps to light a candle and to just quiet your heart and your mind, becoming more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let us prepare to worship God. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us worship God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin to God. Let us pray. O oh God, it is hard for us to wait for anything. We want instant answers and immediate gratification of our desires. We are more acquisitive than grateful. We forget the amazing riches of your gifts to us and only want more. We do not take time simply to enjoy being in your presence, singing your praises, delighting in your love. Forgive us for our arrogant, selfish pride and our neglect of values and relationships that would supply all we really need. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Friends, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. May the God of mercy who forgives us all our sins strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep us in eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now let us say together what we believe as stated in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to share the peace of Christ with those around you, both near and far. Peace be with you. Good morning and welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so glad to connect with you into your homes. We have a few announcements for you this morning. Next week is Pentecost, and we are looking for readers to participate in the service, specifically readers who speak a second language. Please contact Pastor Lori Haas by calling the church office or by sending her an email directly. Merci. Now, nobody, nobody is happier than me in making the announcement that we will resume singing hymns on June 13th, and what a day it will be. We are calling that Sunday, Make a Joyful Noise Sunday. We will resume live streaming on that Sunday so that those of you watching from home can see our beautiful congregation. I will be bringing my tissues because it will be magical. Join us in person if you can. A Palms Angel is someone that connects with our recently graduated seniors as they begin their journey into adulthood. 
As an angel, you get to pray for the young person, and you, you get to make them feel connected with our church here at home, even if they may be far away. We're still in need of several angels. If you feel called to do so, please contact Sarah Sobolewski. You will get to meet your young person before they go off into the world. And lastly, we are releasing our last Teze service of the season. It will be released on uh, Saturday, May 22nd at 8 a.m., but you can watch it anytime. Thank you, and let us continue our worship. One additional announcement. Last week we celebrated our graduating high school seniors and due to a technical mistake we missed graduating senior Max Middleton. Many of you will know Max well, especially if you worship in this beautiful sanctuary as Max and his younger brother Cooper have been acolyting since they were little, little boys. Max is graduating from Cardinal Mooney High School. He's an accomplished track and field star and is in conversation with a number of colleges and coaches in his discernment process about what's next for him. You can read more about Max on page eight of your bulletin and I know you will join me in celebrating Max and all of our, our two, I almost said 19, 2021 graduates. Now, let us pray. Almighty God, we are so thankful for the children of our church family. The light of your joy and your goodness that we see in them inspires so much of our hope. 
Father, we know that you hold all of life within your hands and that you have commanded that we not hinder your children from coming to you, telling us that the kingdom of God belongs to them. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, we know children are your gifts to us. Forgive us for the ways we ignore and allow the suffering of those we classify as other people's children. Our hearts are heavy today as violence tears apart the Middle East, as children lie dead. Shelter children from the wars of adults. Comfort those who grieve. Encourage those who are wounded. Foster in them a hope for the future. We pray that this violence would stop, that peace would come, and that children would be free to grow and to play. Speak reassurance and love into the hearts of children living in war zones. Our hearts are broken, too, for the ever-growing number of orphans in India where the pandemic seems unstoppable. Give strength and courage to those fighting on the front lines and stir in the hearts of those adults able to provide for the care of those children who have no one left. Our hearts are burdened too, Father, with the struggles facing children in the United States and our community. Even in the relative abundance of our country and our community, Father, we know our children suffer and go without. That the pandemic has only aggravated deep and profound woundedness among those most vulnerable. Carry those in foster care and support those who foster and adopt. Encourage those who live in a state of economic crisis, facing eviction and chronic hunger. Stand with those unable to provide for their children's care and education. We pray for your protection of children sent home to quarantine in empty houses and encouragement for those children who are failing so often at school that they have come to doubt their own ability. Enable the leadership of our country, our world, and our church to respond to the suffering of our children with urgency. Give us all wisdom and passion for justice and provision for all of the world's children. Strengthen our resolve to do what we can and give us hearts big enough to see all children as our own. We pray all this through Christ Jesus, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, so much of our shared ministry here at Church of the Palms is directed towards the wellness and care of children. We feed hungry children. We tutor them to help them succeed at school. We mentor them to encourage a love of reading. We put shoes on feet and school supplies in backpacks, and we speak into the lives of children from the time they are born until they are young adults about Jesus and God's love and care for them. As we give today, may we remember all of our children, as well as our shared commitment to doing what we can to be for them evidence of God in the world. 
Let us respond to the suffering of children with urgency. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the faithfulness that we can always trust. Out of your generosity, you've given us so much, and we worship you through the dedication of ourselves and the resources you've provided to use for your kingdom and your glory. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Well, we'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment, but today we want the adults to be listening in as well because we have a special announcement for you. And it has to do with this butterfly and this Boy Scout, my friend Ryan Chate, who grew up in this church. 
Ryan, how long have you been a Boy Scout? I've been a Boy Scout for the last 10 years. 10 years? So like when you were like this. When I was like that. You started and now you're like this. Now I'm like this. Yeah. So tell me, Ryan, what does this butterfly have to do with you and Boy Scouts? Mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked. I'm doing my Eagle Project. I am building a garden. And it's not just any garden. It's a butterfly garden. Wow, so you're going to plant butterflies? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, but that would be really cool. No. We will be planting plants that, have, uh, that attract butterflies, that attract caterpillars. Caterpillars will eat these plants and, and then uh, become chrysalises and then become butterflies. That is so cool. Yeah. What else is going to be in the garden? Well, so not only will it be a garden for butterflies to live in, but it will also be a place of prayer. It will be a place where you can sit and relax, and it will be um, somewhere where you can leave the, leave the sun, uh, not have to be in the sunlight. There will be a big shade tree, and you will be able to sit on a bench and uh, relax or pray if you want to. Nice, so tell me about that tree. What kind of um, blooms does that tree have? So, the tree that I'm using for a shade tree is a saucer magnolia. It okay. is a beautiful tree. It has these, these 10 inch large uh, pink flowers that bloom every May and it's all over the tree. There's no leaves, it's just pink flowers. And, um, and they smell wonderful. Oh my gosh, it sounds so beautiful. I think I would love to sit on one of the benches that you mm -hmm. build and pray, mm -hmm. and that really sounds like a sacred space. Exactly. Well, what do you think about the ground covering there of your sacred place? Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> it is meant to be sacred. It is going to mimic the uh, holy ground that, that God would have Moses walk on when he was uh, when he was on Mount Sinai, and um, be, we will encourage you to take your shoes off before you enter the garden, because it will be sandy. It will be uh, a nice, like, peaceful texture on your feet, and so you'll walk in, and you won't have your shoes on. You won't have your socks on. Your toes will be in the sand. It'll be like the beach. And then um, after you leave the garden, we have a foot wash that you can rinse your feet off with. Wow, mm -hmm. sounds like a little bit of the Garden of Eden. Just sounds so special and so great. And we're just delighted that you are going to build that for our church family. And you may wonder how you can help. And here's what you can do. If you are here on Sunday morning, Ryan is going to be out and he'll have the plans drawn, pictures of the plants that he's going to be using. And he can give you all kinds of information about that. And if you would like to contribute financially, you could make a check out to Troop 895. You can send it to me at the church, but please make it out to Troop 895, and I'll make sure that Ryan's troop gets that so he can build this amazing butterfly garden for children, for students, and for adults to enjoy. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we are so grateful for amazing things that you create, like butterflies and cool people like Ryan. We thank you for the gifts that he has and that he's willing to share them with us. Lord, we pray that you help each one of us find the gifts that we have 
so that we too can benefit others all while we are glorifying you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, just a few minutes before our cameras began to roll for the taping of the service, we received some revised guidelines from the CDC about mask wearing outdoors and indoors. And so we are going to be taking that under advisement uh, at the beginning of this coming week and uh, wondering about how that may even revise our calendar as we move forward. So we encourage you to be checking our website somewhere in the middle of the week and you'll learn more about 
any changes that are potential uh, for the weeks to come as we look forward to the day when we can return back to our life as normal. So we hope you'll check that out. And if you have any questions, of course, you can call the church office. Well, today is our final look at the fruit of the spirit of self-control. We have been reflecting on the story of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, tempted first to turn stone into bread to feed his famished body, tempted second to prove himself by throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple to let the angels catch him, which of course they do later, in the story and now today we look at the last of the temptations but prior to reading Matthew's account of that last temptation let's look at the story of from the book of Daniel it's a story situated in during the exile of the people of God in Babylon and the struggle of God's people to maintain their identity and their allegiance to God in the midst of a foreign land Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, has ordered all the people to worship and bow down before the golden statue that he has erected. But three faithful men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down before this foreign idol. So let's take a look at Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. If you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Our second lesson is from Matthew chapter 4, the account of the last temptation of Christ. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. And then finally, in John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, we read these words. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning, and they themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, Well, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. 
And Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you ask this of your own, or did others tell you about me? And Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. James K.A. Smith, professor of philosophy at Calvin College, in his book, You Are What You Love, says this, we worship what we love and we become what we worship. We worship what we love and we become what we worship. Now, at first blush, this may not sound to you like breaking news, but when you give yourself the chance to sit with it for a while, it may be an unsettling truth. We worship what we love, and we are becoming what we worship. We are becoming what we desire. We are becoming what we esteem, which, which means that way back at the beginning of your life and mine, we began to develop, without really thinking about it, certain longings and desires, and from those certain longings and desires came certain hopes, and from those hopes came certain goals, and it is these goals, these aspirations, these dreams we have set for ourselves that become for us the things that we worship. Almost like a vicious cycle then, what we worship, we then further become. I went to college with a young woman who boasted of her five-year plan, her 10-year plan, her 20-year plan. It was very career-focused, and she set herself a path to accomplish her time-sensitive goals. I always felt like kind of a dummy around her because it always seemed that my goal was just to get through the day, but she was planning out the next five and 10 years. Her, her yearnings and her desires shaped her into the person who in college would be the person to come up with those kinds of goals, and it would be those goals that would further shape her into the very thing that she was worshiping. You want a million dollars in the bank by the age of 40? Then you will be shaped by that goal. You want your kids to go to the best colleges possible? Well, then your family will be shaped by that goal. You want to be president of the United States one day? Well, then you will be shaped by that goal. You become what you worship. I have a dear friend who has three kids, all of whom were really, really, really good soccer players growing up. I mean, really good. And when you have three really good soccer players pretty close in age, it means that your week and your weekends are spent traveling all over the place getting your kids to practice and games. And not just games, but 
travel games three hours, five hours, eight hours away, which means that the routine of worship and Sunday school that they had kept to when their children were toddlers went right out the door. Years later, in a moment of brutal frankness, he told me that his family gave up God for soccer. You become what you worship which I suppose is what was in the front of the minds of those Jewish exiles, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You've got to love those names. I mean, they are on the top ten of biblical names to remember. And, and the choice they face also has to be in the top ten of biblical choices, because when given the orders from the foreign king Nebuchadnezzar, another great biblical name to remember, to bow down before the golden statue or be thrown into the fiery furnace, it was likely in front of their minds that they would become what they worship, what they bow down to, that this glittering yet lifeless figure would someday turn them into glittering though lifeless figures themselves. That was the choice. Glittering lifeless figures or fuel for the fire. And so they say, we'd rather the furnace than the statue. We'd rather ashes than stone, because you become what you worship. We older baseball fans remember the day when Sandy Koufax, the pitching phenom of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who had been slotted to start game one of the 1965 World Series against the Minnesota Twins, informed manager Walter Alston that he wouldn't be pitching that day. He wouldn't be pitching that day because that day was Yom Kippur, one of the high holy days of his people. Game one of the World Series, the, the pinnacle of any baseball player's career, your whole team counting on you, the entire season hanging in the balance? No, Koufax would ex exercise his self-control and stay in his hotel room and fast. He said it wasn't even a decision likely taking the example from 31 years before when the rookie and future Hall of Famer Hank Greenberg, whose Detroit Tigers were in the throes of a pennant race on Yom Kippur just days before the end of the season, instead of walking to the stadium, walked to the temple and worshiped. Tiger fans were none too pleased in Greenberg's exercise of self-control, but you become what you worship. So maybe it is in the front of Jesus' mind when the devil takes him up a high mountain and shows them all the kingdoms of the world and says that all these you can have, Jesus, if you would just bow down and worship me. All these. I can make you president. I can make you king. I can make you CEO. I can make you sell out Raymond James Stadium. I can make you an all-star. I can make you a millionaire if you would just bow down. Just bow down. Now it's time for the good Jewish rabbi to sit and wonder who he is and what does he want to become because you become what you worship. 
worship the Lord your God and serve only him, the rabbi says, maybe not even knowing exactly all of what that would mean, not even knowing what shape that would bring to his life, which takes us to the very end when the battered and bloody Jesus stands in front of Pilate, the Roman governor, and Pilate echoes the one in the wilderness and asks, are you a king? Are you really king, king of the Jews, king of Israel, king of the Middle East? Over which kingdom, Jesus, do you rule? Asks the devil Pilate and Jesus says I am the king of truth I am the king of the only thing that really matters and the only thing that matters Jesus said time and time again is that you love God and love your neighbor if I'm going to do any bowing Jesus says that's where I'm going to do my bowing I bow before God and I bow before neighbor and every time Jesus bowed he was becoming what and who he worshiped because you see love is the great animating force when you bow before golden statues when you bow before bank accounts, when you bow before corner offices, when you bow before Ivy League schools, when you bow before careers, you become what you worship. And none of those things has breath. They do not breathe. They are stone. They are still as statues. But love is the liberating and the animating force. Love is what sets us free and brings us to life. Love is the energy behind self-control. Love allows you to resist the lifeless and to become the animated version of you. And so we watch this young rabbi stagger back from the wilderness and we read our Bibles and we pay attention to his bowing. We pay attention to his bowing. We see him bow before the little child struggling to live. We see him bow before the tax collector who's lost his soul. We see him bow before the prostitute who sold her body. We see him bow before the man who's never been able to see. We see him bow before the dead man in the tomb. We see him bow before the chief priests on the thrones. We see him bow before the disciples' dusty feet. We see him bow before the governor holding his death warrant. We see him bow before the heavenly father in the garden of Gethsemane. We see him bow before the creator in the wilderness. Jesus is becoming what Jesus worships. So there really isn't any decision to make when Pilate tells him that he doesn't have to bow beneath the cross they want him to carry. No, there really isn't any decision because Jesus is liberated and animated by love. The more he bows, the more he comes alive. The more he loves, the more he is animated. For years, I took kids to the hollers of Appalachia for the, a week of service a week away from their parents' insistence that they bow before a certain GPA or they bow before a certain in internship or they bow before a college application. We take, we, we take them into the wilderness of West Virginia or Kentucky or Tennessee and for five days we invited them to bow to these good folks who needed help making their houses better, to make their houses warmer and drier and safer. 
And so these teenagers found themselves in a foreign land, bowing for the better part of a week, bowing to shore up a foundation under a sagging trailer, bowing to saw a two-by-four to build a handicap ramp, bowing to lift a railroad tie for a retaining wall, bowing to listen to these good folks tell us their stories. And with every bow, the more alive they came, sore, but alive. And by day five, the tears began to appear in their eyes when they thought of having to leave this, this new kingdom. They were becoming what they were bowing to. They could see what really mattered. They had been animated by love. It may be what animated Martin Luther King Jr. when out of the pews of Ebenezer Baptist Church, he took on the plight of his brothers and sisters. He began walking where they walked. He bowed before their yearnings for justice. In his movement of nonviolence, he bowed even below, before the blow of a billy club. He bowed before the arresting sheriff. He bowed before the white angry mobs because he was animated by love. Said he two months before his murder, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. A soul generated, a soul animated, a soul quickened, a soul come alive. Methodist pastor Wesley Taylor tells the story of a 13-year-old boy named Joe in his congregation who in a freak accident had been run over by a tractor on the family farm. The young man was left paralyzed with only the use of one arm. The trauma rendered him unable even to speak. Over the weeks of lying in a hospital bed, he fell deeper and deeper into depression, such that he would not acknowledge even those who came to visit. In the room next door, as it so happened, laid a two-year-old boy suffering from a brain inflammation that caused him great pain, such that he whimpered and cried all day and all night. One day, Joe's mother got the idea and went to the mother of the whimpering toddler and said, you know, I think my boy needs your boy. She asked her permission to take her son to be with her son. The two parents agreed and took the two-year-old and laid him literally on top of the 13-year-old just to see what would happen. At first, the 13-year-old grew rigid as a statue. But hearing the cries of the toddler, he reached his only active arm around the boy and began to stroke him, began patting him on the back. And the baby was comforted, and tears formed in the embittered teenager's eyes while a smile crept to his face. They brought the two together for several days the toddler began to recover, and Joe began to talk, and eventually walk. 
love is the animator for we become what we worship.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.